the Priory Society Podcast. We did start swinging to solve a problem. Yeah. The one problem that swinging can solve, which is wanting to fuck other people. I mean, it's like swinging was tailor-made to fix that problem. His name is Cooper S. Beckett. He is the author of several novels. The swingers complaining about the poly people and the poly people complaining about the swingers. The lifestyles are not that different. They're one step away, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I looked at it as there's a spectrum. He is also the co-founder of LifeOnTheSwingSet.com and hosts its podcast on swinging and polyamory. Putting my penis inside her. We're playing the game, pin the penis on the pussy. (laughs) And it was going inside. (laughs) I just want to say, I have never talked about either of those things on any podcast. (laughs) Pegging is one of the most specific acts you can do sexually. And it's specific because... So do you feel like the bisexual male is still kind of alienated in the lifestyle, in the swinging community? In the world. I want to know the oddest thing you try to stick in your ass, Cooper. Well, like, let me... When, let you, me. Couldn't, when, you, when <laughs> you couldn't find a dildo, and then we'll... <laughs> he, wants, he wants to know if you were walking in the bathroom one day and you slipped oh and landed on a can of Aquanet hairspray or something. Welcome to the Priory Society. This sexy lifestyle podcast is for sexually open-minded people. Our listeners want to explore their sexual fantasies and desires by participating in the swinging lifestyle. This show is designed to chronicle our journey and experiences. We are not therapists and we do not give medical or professional advice. We broadcast for entertainment purposes only. This podcast contains explicit language and is intended for mature audiences. Hi, sexies. Welcome back home to the Priory Society podcast. This is Isis, and my husband Eros is also here in the studio. What's up, guys? Hola, mi amor. We have a very special treat for you guys today in the form of a special guest that we all can learn cool things from. His name is Cooper S. Beckett. He is the author of several novels, A Life Less Monogamous and Approaching the Swingularity, and a memoir, My Life on the Swing Set, Adventures in Swinging and Polyamory. He is also the co-founder of LifeOnTheSwingSet.com and hosts its podcast on swinging and polyamory. He has a couple sidekicks on the show, so that's a little bit different format. That's kind of cool. It's fun, yeah. Yep. And he has several other talents, including speaking, coaching, teaching classes on swinging and polyamory. I mean, he does all kinds of stuff. He also talks about pegging. Ouch. Already. (laughs) Let me apologize in advance for anyone who would peg with me. Did you just have an anal wink right now? Well, yeah, they might have a little surprise. All right, go ahead. (laughs) I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, okay. Uh, he he talks about play parties and non-monogamy. He has been a guest expert on the Dan Savage show, which is called the Savage Love Cast, and is the announcer for a radio show called Sex Out Loud by Tristan Tarmino. This guy is multi-talented, graphic and web designer, photographer, voiceover Maybe artist. Maybe he'll help us redo our logo. <laughs> we need our help. logo looks yeah. like clip art from Microsoft 98. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Cooper, welcome to the Priory Society. Welcome, Cooper. Well, Do thank you for having me. So what is there like a spanking induction here? <laughs> are we going to chant a little bit? Yes. Well, in true Priory Society fashion, we are sipping on drinks while we record. Uh, excellent. Okay. Course, but no. we could definitely incorporate new traditions like spanking. Yeah, you, you put something in his ass. Take a hairspray yeah. in his ass. A big can of the Aquanet. The Aquanet, yeah. <laughs> 
I remember that. I'm uh, fond of Aquanet. Cooper, did my lady leave anything off of your intro? My publicist tells me that I need to be just proud of everything in my bio. When I sit here and listen to people reading it, it's just like, okay, now I'm just bragging. I'm just, yeah, right, right, right. just bragging. I think it's important that people know where you're coming from because when you take a look at your podcast, at least on the My Life on the Swing Set podcast, you guys are in uh, over 300 episodes, right? Or how many episodes yeah, do you have? Yeah, we just recorded 330. That's what I mean. That's you, amazing. All learn from somebody who's been in the game since 2010 when you launched that? Yeah, early 2010. Gosh, that sounds Good. like it's the longest standing lifestyle <laughs> podcast I, I out know. there. Are you guys, are you pretty much the pioneers of this whole thing? I mean, who else is around that was around back then? Back then? Uh, well, I mean, obviously we were inspired by the podcast luminaries of the day. I got a lot out of Sex is Fun. I don't know if you remember that podcast. It ended several years ago mm, and newbies, man. savage yeah. love always uh was uh sure. in constant rotation on my uh my i think i had the microsoft mp3 player yeah. <laughs> so i had to i had to side load it like i couldn't just direct load it oh, right yeah. that's a different time that's different right time that's old school now technology yeah. has advanced beautifully now okay so did you ever podcast just you your voice and a mic or did you always have your sidekicks and the other people on the show no, it was always, uh, so Dylan and I started the show with two other people on the first few episodes. And then we sort of went back and forth with several different people, yeah. uh, until we found Ginger. Ginger showed up in episode 11 and stuck around. Go What's the relationship between you and the sidekicks? Were you just friends? Did you meet in the lifestyle? How did you guys get together? Well, Dylan and I uh, have known each other since before swinging, you know, BS before swinging. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> once we started swinging, basically, uh, as we were getting to know each other was right when I had just started swinging. And so it was one of those, so I do, yeah, I do this thing. And he's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I've been looking for. Nice. That's awesome. And uh, so he and his wife started swinging. And uh, about like a year, almost a year after I started swinging was when I said, you know what? I understand this lifestyle a lot. I think I should tell people how to do it themselves. Right. (laughs) And I felt at the time that the podcasts available about swinging specifically were not very welcoming. Ah, you know, okay. my, my swinging started because both my partner and I wanted to fuck other people because we had not had a lot of experience in our lives, yes. but like good Midwestern former Catholics, we <laughs> kept that to ourselves. Yes, of course. And just lusted after other people. And our marriage was falling apart because of that. And ah. so we did start swinging to solve a problem. Yeah. The one problem that swinging can solve, which is wanting to fuck other people. I mean, it's like swinging was tailor made to fix that problem. Right. But everyone was talking about how if there are any problems whatsoever, you're going to self destruct or, you know, and, and so every single podcast I would listen to was like, swinging is great. It's awesome. Look at all these great things that happen, but you probably shouldn't do it. Mm hmm. And that was so frustrating because it sort of felt like they were ignoring the reality of swinging. And Mm. the reality of swinging over that first year that I found is everybody fucks up. 
sometimes really badly. And it's how you get through the fuck ups. Yes. That make you a good swinger. Absolutely. And all the podcasts I was listening to weren't talking about the fuck ups. Or if they were, they were having one of those meltdown casts. I'm sure you've heard a meltdown cast where the, 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 yes. the couple oh, yeah. hosting the podcast just fights the entire time. And then maybe you just, maybe it's no longer a podcast. Right. It's therapy for them. <laughs> Online therapy <laughs> for them. Now it sounds like you're describing the podcast even of today yes. or of a few years back, because there, <laughs> a lot of them are welcoming, yes, but also some are just in their own little world speaking to themselves. And then as a listener, you're wondering, what are they really talking about? What do they mean by Z and D and, and L and Q, who's out oh, there, who's God, down there the eating? Initials. Oh, right? my God. And then right. I think, okay, because you know, you're busy, we're busy, right? Everyone's busy, Cooper. So I don't put a lot of effort into memorizing who's L and who's Q, who's Z. <laughs> so I think two dudes are sucking their dick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's what I think. You know, I lose the characters very quickly. No, but. absolutely. <laughs> it's I can get master masturbatory you know as as <laughs> and i'm guilty of that myself our podcast is frequently masturbatory uh but i feel like if you don't have a reason to be podcasting and a lot of people god bless them yeah i, I can't believe i just said that god bless them they, <laughs> they want to share this amazing lifestyle that they discovered yes, yes. Yeah. and that's really what happens is they discover this amazing thing and they want to tell everybody about it because they were so happy they were told about it, right? But yeah. you need more than that to have a podcast, you know, and it's it's great. You can follow the adventures of your lives for a while, but you have to have a reason to be there that you want to be there. And I, I feel like uh, sometimes it can just be like laundry lists of activities that you've done. And yes. that's not compelling podcasting. Yeah, we agree. I mean, we've heard the same thing in some of the podcasts that we've checked out. All they do is kind of relate what happened on their recent dates. Who they fucked. Yeah. Who they fucked. And then a lot of them have said, oh, we took a break because podcasting wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. Uh, we would do it for us. <laughs> and when it wasn't about us anymore, then we yeah. decided to stop. And now we're coming back. And I just feel like there wasn't something they were trying to teach or lessons they were trying to impart. Well, it was like you said, just kind of surfacey and there wasn't a real compelling reason for them to s just sit down and press the record button. Still fun to listen to. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you pick and choose because if you're a busy individual, you know, what do I want to listen to? We don't want to get Cooper in trouble because no. he's, the, he's the fearless leader of the league of swinging podcasters the mastermind of podcasts. Yeah. what's the name of what's the name of that coalition that the, you put together the, the league of extraordinary swinging podcasts. Yeah. i love that that was our coalition yeah he started this group right and i invited a bunch of people yeah. and sweetie you, you were following the whole chat yeah i did and then i'm inviting all these players right mm -hmm. oh you guys should be in part of this group and as soon as everyone gets in the group they're like prior society you guys are fuck ups right? <laughs> as, as soon as everyone gets in the room prior right. society we hated this episode you did this we title don't like sucks. this title we this and i'm like dude forgive me let me change it that's yeah. all we need is a little feedback yeah a little feedback and everyone's happy right Hey, because we understand about being sensational and trying to catch someone's attention right. and social yeah. media so we were looking for catchy titles something that someone would want to click on and actually listen to and oh, read yeah. and, and so we got a lot of feedback about a couple episodes and titles that we used but we fixed some things oh, yeah. we've altered the oh, our no, outlook. You, you two i was so happy because i hate conflict and i hate yeah. confrontation and you two responded to my concerns so well and uh, i mean really you know we're all just one step from saying the worst fucking thing we possibly could yeah. to a, a single <laughs> listener you right. know because we right. have to think about the listeners as a group but then we have to think about the listeners that we're really trying to reach 
And I, you know, I'm not great at this by any means. And, you know, 330 episodes is a long time to learn this, you know? Yeah, that's right. And what I try so very hard to do is to look at what might alienate people who are already alienated Mm -hmm. and try not to do that. I care less about people I don't feel are alienated. Okay. You know, I I say a lot of shit about Republicans and religious people on my podcast because I have issues. And I don't feel <laughs> either of those groups are marginalized. In fact, okay. they're really the dominant forces. So therefore, I don't worry about that. But I try to be as respectful and positive as I can toward marginalized communities because I'm part of a marginalized community as a bi male. Yeah, and you came out about is it about a year ago that you came out well, to like, your Facebook friends? I came friends? out to my family and friends and public and the quote real world yeah. a year ago. Okay. But I came out as a bi male swinger on the podcast in October of 2010. Nice. And mostly at Kidder Capers, like nudging, like, you should come out. You should just come out. It'll right. be fine. You right. should come out. That's very cool. Yeah, that's fine. And, you know, I've gotten shit for it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely felt the podcasts around us change their feelings about uh, me and our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was the buy thing. And then the other part of it was when we just started calling out these tropes in swinging that are actually problematic. So do you feel like the bisexual male is still kind of alienated in the lifestyle in the swinging community? In the world. You know, there there is like I'm not playing the victim card here Mm -hmm. at all because I recognize that as a middle class white male, I have all sorts of privilege. (laughs) But bi men are disliked and disrespected by gay men. And I just saw this on a big article about bi visibility where there were all these gay men commenting about like, yeah, I was bi for about a month. And then I realized, no, I'm actually gay. It's like, yeah, great. That's your story. That's not my story. So telling me that I'm going to be gay is just like, I may as well be telling you, ah, you just haven't met the right woman yet. Yeah. That it's just, it's so fucking disrespectful. And the gay community is, I mean, obviously not everybody, but is full of that kind of discrimination against bi. And then the straight guys are, you know, I mean, I'm sure you see it on the dating websites. It's just like, I don't care if he's bi, but I don't want him fucking looking at me or touching me. And like yeah. I, all my consent skills fly out the window because I'm bisexual. You know, right. and, and literally there was no one, there was no one I want to fuck less than a man who comes at me with, I don't want him yeah. touching me. It's like, okay there, bucko. You're like, don't worry, buddy. Yeah. It, it was never an option. This is not happening. You don't need to consult the consent framework right. and go down the checklist. The to double make sure. affidavit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, even in the lesbian community, like my lady, her aunt is like full on out, you know, short hair, wears the keys on her belt loop. Yeah, she's a PE uh, teacher. Full on, full on lesbian, right? And even oh, yeah. she was giving us stories of her friends saying, look, you're not queer enough. Look, you don't, you're not doing <laughs> yeah. it right. Yeah. But she's been, how long has she been out? Oh my God. I mean, since I was 
teenager, like late teens. Okay, that so as far as I can remember, yeah. she always had girlfriends coming over. Yeah. It never had a boyfriend. You know what I mean? So she she was always, I think, true to her personality and sexuality. But I think it was maybe a little bit later, like when I was in my college years, that she truly came out. And it took her forever because she wasn't comfortable with it. But she's still getting shit for that even now. Yeah. You're not queer enough. And yeah. Like, you know, even within the community, Cooper, you understand. I mean, you see this. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I always feel like I see this all over the place that no one oppresses quite like someone who's been oppressed Mm -hmm. and no one discriminates quite like someone who's been discriminated against. And I feel like a lot of communities, you know, we, we are in sort of like a, uh, if you look at the sexuality spectrum, like a sheet of bubble wrap, the swingers are in this bubble over here and it's sort of connected to the poly bubble. But every one of these little communities feel like they've sort of staked their claim. Like we have this little bit of legitimacy, mm-hmm. you know, like poly is there right now because it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about polyamory yeah. and it's in Time Magazine. Netflix and so shows. they have yeah. this little bit of legitimacy that they fought for. And we're not like those fucking swingers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it's immediately they don't want a chance that another part of the community is going to come in with, quote, less savory aspects. And ruin, upset the apple cart, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's what I see from the gay community is that they fought for decades and finally are getting some recognition and the appearance of legit, well, before Mr. Orange, the appearance of legitimacy. And then they see, well, you know, the moment gay marriage passes, then there's this little faction of poly people speaking up like what about poly what marriage about us, right? and the gay people are like you sit the fuck down right <laughs> this is our time right here and i totally agree with that one but <laughs> in general what we what we all need to see is that the straights hate us because mm. we represent a freedom they will never have interesting yeah, yeah. wow very that's a, cool that's a really cool perspective And you talk about an umbrella of play levels in the lifestyle. So we know that there's a spectrum of sexuality. You know, people are discovering, mostly women start by discovering their bisexual side and where they fit. I'd love for our listeners to hear his perspective on that. Yeah. He does a really good job on that. Cooper, would you share the umbrella spectrum of the open marriage slash swinging and the whole spectrum they talk about? Absolutely. Awesome. And this was another one of those things that took me time to recognize. It's like I started as a swinger. I was in, I was married. We swung with couples and sometimes unicorns. We swapped. You know, we did the swinger thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first book I really read about non-monogamy was Tristan Terramino's amazing book, Opening Up, which changed my life completely. But at that time, I started reading the poly stuff and it scared the shit out of me (laughs) because sex seemed easy and love seemed really hard. Mm-hmm. So I stood back and I avoided it. And when I started, I started changing. I started evolving. I started experimenting with my sexuality. I started experimenting with how I interact with people. And I started to realize that the friendships I was making in swinging were better than any friendships I'd made in my entire life. I was closer to these people than anyone else I'd ever been close to. And therefore, I realized, okay, well, I mean, I love them. They're friends. I love them. We hang out. We go to barbecues. We're not always fucking. So is it possible that, you know, loving them is okay? And then I started meeting poly people 
and I started recognizing that for all the the swingers complaining about the poly people and the poly people complaining about the swingers, the lifestyles are not that different. Yeah, they're one step away. In man. Fact, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I looked at it as there's a spectrum, you know, and the umbrella is open or non-monogamous, ethically non-monogamous, I like to say, because cheaters don't count here. Right. Uh, so that's the umbrella. And on one end of this spectrum, just like the sexuality spectrum, is hardcore, full-fledged swinging, which is uh, completely just we're going to get together. Maybe we're never going to find out uh, last names. We're going to fuck. <laughs> we're probably not going to talk again. And that's it. That's what we're doing. And maybe we just do this once a month or at a club or whatever. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I see that as capital S swinging. Yeah. And then way down on the other side is capital P polyamory. And that is developing long-term relationships with the intent of having multiple partners in a fairly closed loop, raising children, having a community. Communes are fairly common there. And that's mm -hmm. capital P polyamory. But most of us are somewhere in the middle. And it's because when I looked at it, like almost every poly person I know has casual sex. With people they are not dating. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And what is that but swinging? Right. Yeah. Right, right. And almost every swinger I know has deep, long-term relationships. They may not like the word relationship, but what are friendships if not relationships? What oh. are friendships if not loving connections? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the better swinging I've ever found, you know, and this, I'm speaking for me, were the ones that I had that long-term connection, whether it developed into a, a loving relationship, like a romantic relationship or not, there's value in love and connection. And I started to realize that we're just afraid of this because we're afraid of the boogeyman. And the boogeyman is what if my partner falls in love with someone else? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the boogeyman that sits behind all of swinging and comes up on the Cassidy forums nearly every day. And what I realized, and, you know, part of this was my divorce because I realized that things are finite and things can vanish. So you're worried that your partner will fall in love with someone else and leave. That's what you're worried about. Yeah. But you have this weird delusion that your marriage, that your vows, that your relationship is what's keeping them from doing that. Right. You know, anyone can leave you at any time for any reason. Your life can change at any moment. And that really showed me the value of embracing connection wherever it comes up. Because those connections can seem like, oh, well, this is just going to be a one night stand. My, my partner, Ophelia, who I've been together with for five years now, was a one night stand that I thought I would never see again. Hmm. And because I was open, I'm in the most fulfilling relationship of my life. That's beautiful. It's awesome. Thank you. Very, very Did I answer the question or did I just wander? I no, feel like no, I wandered. No, you did a great job because the spectrum of the poly side and the swinger side, mm -hmm. it's incredible. You said it beautifully. We're all kind of in the middle because when we think about our initial full swaps that we've had, yeah. I remember feeling some wonderful things for this woman that I had this great connection with and putting my penis inside her. We're playing the game, pin the penis on the pussy. <laughs> and it was going inside. <laughs> And we did this several times. And I remember thinking, well, this is the best thing ever. We'd yeah. have cigars, we'd have dinner in the middle of the week, and then we'd fuck here yeah. and there. And it was just the most amazing thing. And I remember thinking, is this like a poly thing? What's going right. on? And then 
we had a falling out mm. with our couple. They mm. were going to get married. We almost broke them up. The girl started getting very attached to mm. me. And yep. then the guy really wanted my lady, but the feelings weren't there. Yeah. But I went through this little mild depression where I was playing sad songs <laughs> and for this sure. full swap scenario that, you know, we've done it several times. And so, yeah, I think it's a beautiful way to explain it when you talk about the umbrella and the spectrum. And sweetie, what else do you have to add about that? I was just going to say that I find on social media profiles like Cassidy profiles or when we meet with people, most people actually say that they are looking for friends with benefits. Yeah, long term. Yeah. yeah, long term relationships where you don't have to court people over and over again. But if there's a long lasting connection and the sex is more meaningful, but you also enjoy spending time together and you feel comfortable and trust each other, like say, hey, I trust Eros with this other female if they wanted to spend some time alone together. And it's a beautiful thing, but I know he's coming back to me at the end of the day and vice versa. It just makes the physical connection, I think, more special. When you do fuck. Absolutely. When you do fuck, yeah. If you have an emotional connection with someone and when you get to the fucking, it actually makes it so much more special and then you look forward to it even more. But yeah, I find that most people, they're in the swinging lifestyle. They call themselves swingers. But what they really want is a little bit of poly without yeah, they falling in a, love a with someone. side of poly. They don't want yeah. a whole meal, just a side. Right. Like I and there are poly people who just want a side of swing. Yeah. yeah you know, like, I sit pretty firmly in the middle. I will waver from one direction to another where like there will be periods in my life where I'm just not looking for more romantic connection. I'm still looking for friendship, but I'm really looking to meet people to fuck them. And then there are times in my life when I just don't have the emotional bandwidth or energy to, you know, go through that seeking out people to fuck. And I, I circle the wagons or I develop more meaningful relationships and I, I sit with that instead. And what's great about that is when I meet people, I don't have any expectations of what the relationship will be. Yeah. And I make that clear on meeting people. Like, look, this is this is who I am. And if you're game for it to turn into something like this or this, it might. And we can play that by ear. And it's incredibly freeing to not have to go into, you know, like the traditional swinging situation of, two of us go on a date with two of them and Mm -hmm. then we got to see if we have that four-way connection and see if we can figure out how to notify the other person that I'm into or not (laughs) and yeah i mean it's four-way is tough yes i am i am really the old the old fucking swinger in the room here when i say that because it's just exhausting (laughs) it just is is fucking exhausting it is it's it's very time consuming and mentally consuming (laughs) yeah exactly well sorting through couples and then getting down to we've found that there's about a 10% success rate when we see people that we like, and then that will translate to eventually getting naked with them because you have to sort through so many people. And so do you have a different number of a success rate that you found or swingers in general where, all right, of all the people that you have the ability to get naked with, how many of them realistically will you end up being (laughs) naked with? For us, it was 10%. I think it's, it's changed because of my evolution and how I go after people. And part of it is because most of the time my partner and I are playing as independent players and, um, should make it easier probably. Yeah. It, it definitely makes it easier because you're not worried about the four way connection. Right. Though at the same time, uh, this past year at desire, I feel like for the first time we had two great, 
four-way connections with two other couples and we hooked up and it was great. Uh, and it was just something we don't generally do together a lot. So that said, most of the play parties I'm at, I'm either throwing so I know everybody there and ha- don't have to worry about really meeting people. And right. when the, when I bring new people in, I get to know them beforehand. So sure. I, I sort of get a feel for whether or not they're into me or not. Mm-hmm. And when I go to other people's, I, I generally go to more queer parties than swinger parties. Very rarely is it groups of couples. Mostly it's various people on the LGBT and hetero spectrum. Mm-hmm looking for fun, you know, and, and once, once I encountered that for the first time, that completely changed my perception of how play parties can feel because it was so great watching people who'd never had, um, that type of sexual awakening find it because they were given permission to do so. You know, so I've seen trans people come out after their transition and for the first time say, this is who I am. I want to play. And, and just, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. That's awesome, man. We want to talk about your books. We'd like to talk about your yeah. experiences with your Mexican resort vacations at Desire Resorts. Yeah, you mentioned We've Desire. Heard, we need yeah, to talk we want about to go that. there. Before we go there, though, I would like to know if you have any advice for the podcasts that are out there. Any advice on mm-hmm. maybe best practices so that maybe we can all benefit from, us included, in terms of how you run your show or in terms of maybe yeah. recommended topics that we should cover or different ways that they can embrace certain communities, anything that you'd like to offer to them as advice. I have something. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily reflective of my show as it stands yet, because I'm really just coming to it. There's so much awful in the world. Podcasting is like blogging or Twitter. It's so easy to just be pithy and jokey and snarky. And I do all that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we do it too. We, we <laughs> so, well, I mean, everyone does it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not criticizing anyone, but what I'm saying is we so rarely think of how that will affect others. And so what I'm trying to do, and I'm not sure I'm succeeding, but I'm trying to be a beacon of, of love and positivity, you know, exploring your sexuality and leaving the repression that so many of us have instilled upon us via religion, via um, geography, all, all this is just telling us that these urges we have are evil or wrong or bad or right. dirty. And just letting people know that they can learn more about their bodies, that they can have an orgasm for the first time, that they can explore beyond their relationship because the lie we all tell each other that we don't look at anyone after we get into a monogamous relationship is bullshit (laughs) and we all know it. And why does our society keep telling that? Why can't we be honest? Because that's the other thing that non-monogamy has given me is honesty. We lie so much in monogamy. Most of it's to protect our partner's feelings. So it's not bad. If we were honest, you know, so many people, when they cheat, it's because they think their partner would never go for letting them have something else. And so therefore, in order to save our partner, we do something horrible behind their back, which is cheat on them and possibly infect them and all, you know, all those things. Right. When if we had just had the guts to have a conversation, 
it's possible our partner could have been okay yeah. with us going out or opening up the marriage. It's possible that like in my situation, I said, I want to fuck other people. She said, you know what? I want to fuck other people too. And we both sat there like, well, Jesus, what, what do we do with that? <laughs> what are we waiting for? <laughs> because we both want the same fucking thing, but yeah. we weren't talking to each other about it. So I don't know that I'm answering your question, but kindness, positivity, and and it's so hard because it's so negative right now. Yeah, there is but a lot of that, negativity out there. That reaching out is more important than anything else we do as non-monogamy podcasters is to reach out to people who have not experienced what we are experiencing, who want to desperately and not be the podcasters who I listen to, who made it sound like I couldn't do this. Right. So letting people know that their fantasies aren't weird or strange. They're not the only ones yeah. that have had sexual thoughts or certain proclivities. They're not weird. They're not abnormal. It's tough enough coming out yeah. and, and admitting yeah. that you yeah. would like to experience other things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on that note, I wanted to ask you, Cooper, are there sure. any TV shows out there or web series that you could recommend to people who are looking to introduce the idea of having an open marriage or incorporating swinging or the lifestyle into their relationship. Actually, the the coolest thing ever is this show called Easy on Netflix. And it's a little independent series that follows a bunch of different characters in Chicago, actually near my neighborhood, which is very cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, but in the middle of the series, there's an episode about a couple kind of just randomly discovering they're interested in having a threesome. Is that the couple that got the short-haired girl in the basement and the baby the guitar, kept crying? With the guitar. It is. <laughs> yes. I love that. It's Kate Micucci, who may be the most adorable person on the face of the earth. Loved she was it. cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was great. Well, I never thought I'd see full frontal nude, uh, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we saw that. That it's, was a great, a great episode. Show, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's wonderful. And what's great about it is it's positive. And it never falls back on the trope that so many non-monogamous pieces of media fall back on, which is, oh, they're going to fight now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually a positive experience. And I couldn't believe it. You know, my partner and I were watching this like on edge the entire time, like, oh, now he's going to come back down and be jealous. Right, or, right, right. Oh, now. And it just didn't happen. It was just beautiful and exploratory and experiential. And that kind of thing is what we need to see, you know, and, and you can tell a lot from people. And the best part about easy is it starts out not about that. So you right. can sit down with your partner and yeah. watch the first four or five episodes and there's no non-monogamy. There's just regular couple shit. And a lot of it is our sex life has turned weird since the kids were born. Yeah. So it's priming you, you know, it's giving you like, yeah, these people are like me. And then randomly in the middle, non-monogamy right oh. <laughs> and you can learn so much about how your partner reacts to that yes. by watching them watch this gauge their response and then talking yep. about it because that's the most important part is talking with your partner and it's just something we don't do in monogamy we don't have these conversations because we're afraid of them and because we're afraid of them our partners are afraid of them and we don't talk about them that's my favorite piece of that's a good one definitely introductory non-monogamy and it's on netflix and everybody's got netflix yeah <laughs> so a little bit about your books now you have written several yeah. books on swinging or polyamory what inspired you to start writing 
Well, I mean, I've, I was a writer before I was open and okay. actually the, what inspired me to start the swing set beyond the podcast thing was I had been writing a blog you know, just a personal blog up until I started swinging and then realized I couldn't talk about any of this shit on my personal blog. <laughs> right. And so my blog just died and I had no outlet for this. So the first, the very first inklings of swing set was a new blog. Okay. And, uh, so what was the question? I lost myself. Yeah, your inspi oh, yeah, your yeah, inspiration. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're doing it perfectly because this is exactly what we want to know. Like your thought process. So you had the blog. Then so Swing Set, the website came first and then the book or how did that well, yeah, flow? Actually, the, my first book, My Life on the Swing Set, is a collection of essays from the website. The nice. first five mm. years of Swing Set. And it sort of happened randomly because I was um, – I had just gotten this new piece of software that would tell me how many words are in a whole thing and mm -hmm. could export it as an ebook. And so I thought, well, what if I put all my blogs from Swing Set into there? And it told me it was 117,000 words. And it's like, wow. well, Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it would be insane to have <laughs> written that much and not do anything more substantial than a website. And I thought, well, this will be the easiest book ever. I'll just turn my blogs into a book. And I was so fucking naive because it required so much editing and so yeah. much time and so much dedication to picking the right essays mm -hmm. and, and putting them in the right order. The correct flow. And telling yeah. a story rather than here's just a bunch of essays I wrote. Uh, right. And one of the things that I really, really love about my life on the swing set is because I wrote it over five years, you see my evolution as staunchly swinger talking about mm -hmm. how scary Polly is to opening up to through my divorce. And I like I don't like a lot of my opinions at the beginning. But they're real. Mm -hmm. And so I worked really hard never to change an opinion, though it was so tempting, but to only right. edit for content like, you know, sentence structure and shit. Yeah. Make it sound legitimate. Make it, make it like right. a real book. <laughs> no, but it's important that you left it as is because it shows it's your true. journey and who you were at that moment yeah. at that time. Oh, for sure. Hey, I want to know something. Okay, yeah. so you have the Swing Set website. And you start doing a podcast about it. How long before you said desire resorts? I need to go there. Like who told you about it or how did that come about? Uh, late 2010 sex is fun. That podcast I talked about announced they were going to do a small group to desire uh, at the beginning of 2011. Mm -hmm. And my partner and I said, well, we're pretty much broke, but this sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we saved like we've never saved before and went on that trip. And it was an, it was an unbelievable experience. It was the first time I'd ever been outside naked. It was the, the first time, um, it was so, gloriously unique liberating and mm -hmm. yeah yes yeah. yes and the group we went with uh sex is fun is a fairly geeky podcast so they were fairly geeky people you know we spent our first night in the hot tub talking about how absurd <laughs> it was that they canceled firefly and how hot inara is <laughs> and uh, i mean it was it, it felt like home like when when you go to Desire, they welcome you home, and it it sounds trite and weird and silly, <laughs> but it truly means something to me. And 
you know, like the podcast, I am, I am a person pretty much built of hubris. And so I thought, well, I can do better. <laughs> and so we started planning our first trip for 2012. Do you mean better in terms of getting more people as a group no, to go? Or better curriculum? Was, or- yeah. <laughs> Without shitting on the sex is fun trip. <laughs> um, specifically, I'm a wallflower. Like I get really weird, really quiet, really introverted around a lot of people I don't know. And I didn't feel that that trip did enough to mingle its people. I always sort of felt outside. Mm-hmm. And so my pretty much my whole reason for throwing the trip was I want to do better at getting people to interact and I want to offer um, teachable things and I want to have a sex toy show and tell and I want to demonstrate pegging because so many people had never seen it. So all these things just started popping up and our first trip we had 25 couples with us and it was this great little trip and then the next year we doubled in size. Nice. Wow, 25 is a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it just kept growing until we got to about 80 couples and the resort holds 111. Oh, wow. Nice. So it's almost a complete resort well, takeover. We realized something at that point because we were big enough that we were actually, it was like gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. We were actually affecting the resort. And mm-hmm. while I may be thrilled about that and the people on our trip may be thrilled about that, not everybody who goes to Desire wants the experience that we bring to Desire. Mm-hmm. And so I was feeling this group that was getting more and more condensed, that was getting more and more frustrated with us. And that was the moment I realized, okay, we need to take over. It needs to just be us. Mm-hmm. Because then we don't have to worry about ruining anyone else's vacation just being ourselves and yeah, we can right. make the resort what we truly want it to be so what can people expect if they book when you guys are so, they come with us this year yeah this what, uh this november 3rd through 10th uh and you can find out at ssdesire.com i love <laughs> the way you snuck that commercial in there, man. hey <laughs> let, no let's do an extended commercial but i'm yeah. not talking about like hey let's pitch this whole thing what i am interested in is the following we have a lot of listeners who have been thinking yeah. about going to Desire. Yeah. They know that there are certain podcasters that also organize groups. And sure. the benefit between going with the Swing Set crew and someone else's group, I saw your website. You organize a ton of activities. Right. Beautiful yeah, activities, right? Actually, this year we may have too many. I, I, <laughs> I, I may have gone overboard. Our trip is very much about inclusivity. And this is not saying that other trips are not. I'm saying that that is our focus. Mm -hmm. And by inclusivity, we mean we want you to feel like this is a safe space to try anything and everything you've been curious about. Yeah. So on our trip, we have Desire's First Dungeon. We actually sent down plans, uh, JV Althoros and Shara of Ending the Sexual Dark Age, which is a great BDSM podcast. They drew up and sent down plans for St. Andrew's crosses and flogging benches and all that. Wow. And Desire built it for wow. us. Oh my goodness. And, and we set it up in the disco and there's pictures on ssdesire.com. But if you've been to Desire, the disco looks nothing like the disco. It looks like a dungeon. <laughs> and so, but the best thing about 
about it is the day before this, we have classes and intros to flogging, intro to DS play. So you can, you can kind of get a little taste and then go up to the disco the next day. And there are people who want to help you learn. That's awesome. You know, I teach a pegging class uh, with my partner, Ophelia, um, you know, the best thing about being at a place like this is classes can actually be hands-on and yeah. you can actually see something happen. So like I teach pegging classes in Chicago and they're not nearly as interesting <laughs> on a PowerPoint. It, it's all theory. You, you know? got your asshole on a PowerPoint. Right. The stick figures yeah. on a sheet of paper. Here, this is the lab <laughs> so they can see what's happening, you know, and they, and if they want to, try pegging right over there they can try pegging right over there hey, cooper i need to step in here for just a second only because i have oh. my leather bound perverted dictionary here. i see it and i saw you pull it out it, i didn't know if i should say anything i pulled it out it's right here it here it is and the leather bound perverted dictionary oh is a tool God. of enlightenment and we had selected a word as pegging. Yes. And well, our special it, guests. What a coincidence. We'll talk about pegging. Oh, my God. Will help us understand this word. I want to know the oddest thing you try to stick in your ass, Cooper. Well, like, let me. When, let you, me. Couldn't, when, you, when you couldn't find a dildo. And then we'll. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to know if you were walking in the bathroom one day and you slipped oh and landed on a can of Aquanet hairspray or something. No, okay. <laughs> I, you know what? You know, I'm an open book. Um. And I actually just recently found out this is a thing. I've stuck Sharpies up my ass mm -hmm. because they have smooth, rounded ends. With a rope tether? Or like, so it so doesn't get it lost? No, 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 you hold on to it. You know, it's, it's more, for me, it's more about the filling than in and out. But wait, the cap end first? No, no, the, back, the end back end first. Because you don't want it to start swimming inside <laughs> you like a no, needle. No, the cap end first. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, also, yeah, I am a person who has lost a piece of produce up his ass. Oh, okay. Not, hey. not permanently lost. The cauliflower. It, it came back out. I'm getting visuals <laughs> now. It was a very, very scary 20 minutes. That was quick. So, so can you... For can the you, layman. Yes, go ahead, sweetie. Please, yeah, please, please, please. Go ahead, sweetie. <laughs> Introduce it. You know, and I... I I, I just want to say, I have never talked about either of those things on any podcast. <laughs> now well, the we're, first, I'm yes. very exposed. Priority <laughs> Society brings out the truth. <laughs> we ask the questions behind the questions. So please, for the benefit of our listeners, could you define what pegging is? Sure. Pegging is one of the most specific acts you can do sexually. And it's specific because pegging is a female-bodied person wearing a dildo fucking a male-bodied person in the ass. All right? Uh -huh. So if a, if a man is fucking another man in the ass, it's just butt-fucking. That's not pegging. Right. If a woman is fucking another woman in the ass, that's just strap-on sex. It's not pegging. Pegging is specifically about the role reversal. Now, is it strap-on? If a woman wearing a strap-on, using a vibrator, using her hand, any other no, objects, no. does it matter? Yeah, it matters, yeah, because it's about being fucked the way you fuck someone. Got it. Because otherwise, it's just butt play. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I say just butt play, but, right. but, 
Uh, yeah, so pegging is like the most specific of acts. And and I feel like, you know, everyone else has everything else. Let us have this. So you do live demonstrations on pegging at Desire. I do, yeah. Uh. You're going to bring your iceberg lettuce and have a, another experience? <laughs> no, no, no more, I, I don't do produce anymore. No, 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 no eggplants no, no. or sweet did, potatoes. Did he say now, what produce? Now 100% flare-baked <laughs> silicone, 100%. Okay. <laughs> Wait, did you actually say what kind of produce you used I that did, got stuck? I did, I did it was certainly not okay. iceberg lettuce. Okay. No, I, I, I Sweet feel potato. like some things should be left to the imagination. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, we'll respect that for sure. So pegging is when a woman uses a strap-on dildo and fucks a male partner in the ass. Did you discover this because you read about it and you wanted to try it? How did you discover your fondness for pegging? Well, I'd been putting stuff in my butt since I was in high school, mm-hmm. probably earlier. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, so I knew I liked that. And then um, as we started opening up, was right about when Dan Savage's uh, Savage Love coined the term pegging, because that's where it came from. Oh, cool. Hmm. And Tristan Terramino released a DVD called The Expert Guide to Pegging, which is an amazing DVD because it's half education and half porn. Sweet. And so it was something I was getting more and more intrigued. And then this like collusion of a whole bunch of elements came together and we tried it and it was awesome. And it made me a pegging enthusiast. Now, did you have an orgasm the first time you tried pegging? Not for a while, actually. So the second part of the the butt frontier Mm -hmm. is the prostate (laughs) orgasm. Because, you know, your anus has all sorts of nerves. So manipulating the anus and penetration, that's all awesome and feels great. And you go slow and use a lot of lube and use, you know, gradually work your way up. So that's encapsulated education right there. Can I get esoteric for a moment? Do it. Please. So we all understand as um, educated people that in the womb, at one point, we are neither male nor female. We are both. Mm -hmm. Right. And the ovaries become testicles when they descend and the labia fuses. That's why we have a little seam on our testicles. That's the labia fusing around what were ovaries, basically. Okay. So. That's a nice way of saying that we all have essentially the same parts, just sort of rearranged in different configurations. So we all are believers in the G spot, Mm -hmm. whether science believes it or not. We swingers know that it's a thing. And having had my fingers in both a man and a woman at the same time, feeling a G spot and a prostate, which both surround the urethra, both are about the size of a walnut, both get engorged in the same way. Hmm. It sort of makes sense that the prostate grew out of this vestigial thing in the female that is the G spot Ah. because the prostate has the same ability to produce pleasure. As the G-spot. And the G-spot has no legitimate function. That's why science won't talk about it except pleasure. Right. So therefore, if you follow my train, men have a G-spot inside them. Why wouldn't you play with it? I want to find it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's about an inch and a half to two inches inside. You do the come here gesture, you know? Yeah. The, the same. Well, two it's fingers. exactly the same as, as playing with a female-bodied person. And you find it. It gets engorged. It can feel intense. 
It can feel like you need to pee because it does surround your urethra. So when it gets engorged, it squeezes and it's like, oh, I need to pee because you have no other concept of what that is. So what's the best way to find the prostate? If a man's like bent over kind of doggy style? I, I would say I always recommend for anal play, especially in beginning, man on the back. Ah, man laying on his back. His, yeah. Okay. Because it's so important as men are not great at letting people know when they're in pain. Men are not great at admitting weakness. Mm -hmm. So eye contact is an amazing thing uh -huh. between partners Definitely. during initial anal exploration. Because if there's a sudden tension in the face, you can say, is that too much? Should I stop? And he can say, no, no, it's just new. It's just different. Yeah. <laughs> so. So definitely on the back, definitely raised up. You want to use a thick lube. You don't want to use a thin lube. So silicone lube works mm -hmm. because it's slick, but it's not so great as a cushion. And there's a mm. lot of anal lubes out there. Uh, my favorite is called Maximus, but I don't know if it's still on the market. It's, it's sort of the partner of Liquid Silk. I don't know if you know Liquid Silk, but there was an FDA thing where the U.S. wouldn't recertify them because we're a bunch of fucking prudes here in the United States. <laughs> and so for a while, you couldn't get it in America. But I think you can again. But really what okay. you're looking for is a gel-based lube, not a liquidy one, because that will help okay. cushion everything. Okay. okay. And Makes sense. use tons of it the more just, the better just because unlike the vagina the, the anus and colon do not self-lubricate right so we're used to unless i eat unless it's that lubricate themselves unless i eat panda express yeah. or, or something or a lunch like truck <laughs> you yeah. don't want to use that type of lubricate no <laughs> So no Vaseline. Nobody will be happy there. Right. <laughs> okay. So the man is laying on his back with a pillow yes. underneath the low back or the butt to prop him up a little bit. And then yes. essentially use the tunnel lube on your finger or fingers, two, maybe one or two fingers. And then the pads of your fingers are facing up like towards the belly button. Yep. Okay. And then you're about and an inch so, and a half in. And then what do you feel? Is it like a lump? Is it hard well, lump or is it tissue? Feel, I mean, a lot of it depends on the guy. I'm lucky enough to have an enlarged prostate because of things. And so mine is easy to find. Okay. Not everybody's is easy to find. And a lot of it has to do with being turned on. Mm. And when we're trying something new, we're a little nervous. So mm -hmm. maybe you're not going to find it on the first try. Yeah. But what you're looking for is sort of a spongier texture on the roof. You're looking okay. for it about, about an inch and a half to two inches in and manipulating it. He should know right away that you've got it. And if, awesome. if he starts enjoying it, it will start getting bigger. It will engorge. And then you will know for sure that you have found the prostate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now, okay, this is an important question. I have a lot of friends that, that have the gay. <laughs> I went to a musical, a performing arts, <laughs> performing arts magnet, man, a musical theater. Talking hey, about inclusivity. <laughs> listen, the Abbey Cafe in West LA grew up there. Oh, man, stomping ground. When it was still a day. coffee so, shop. So you know a lot of homosexuals. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's the proper way. I don't want to offend anyone. Am I allowed to say that they had the gay? Okay. No, that's not no. right. You're in Pride Month. Let's go with homosexual. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so I'd always heard. In fact, when my lady, when we first met and I would take around my friends, she thought I was gay because all my friends, right? Yeah. It was normal. It was just it was my buddies. And so they were always trying to get me to do stuff. And they had told me stories that they can make a guy come just with not even touching oh, yeah. the penis. Yeah. Is that a real thing? And so let me tell you my prostate story. Let me set the scene. I'm on top of a building in desire. There's a hot tub over there. There's beds over here. 
We're hanging out with friends. Uh, one of my friends wants me to demonstrate the Enjoy 11, which is about an 11-inch stainless steel toy. It's amazing. Man. Uh, look up Enjoy, N-J-O-Y. I'm writing that down. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so I'm using this on her. I'm demonstrating it. And she's enjoying it very much, as naturally you would. And uh, there's this lovely blonde near me who asks if she can help or do anything for me. And um, I know if, if I am getting a hand job, I'll be distracted. But I did hmm. bring up a, a butt plug that I really liked. And I asked if she could insert it. And she said, absolutely, I'm a professional. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant, but I went with it because really, you know, I mean, it's not, Why it's, not? it's, it's pretty easy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so she, she lubed it up. She lubed my ass up. She did my favorite thing, which is running a finger on the outside, just a lubed up finger. If, you, if you're a little nervous about ass play, that's one of the best things in the world. Yeah. And then she slid this, uh, this butt plug in, which felt great. And, but then she didn't stop and she pushed her thumb against it and just started manipulating it. Mm. At first it was like, okay, well, this is interesting. So she was like then pulling I it started, out and in a little bit and then maybe turning it in circles yeah, and moving it around. Yeah. Yeah. Just little, little gestures because mm -hmm. no, it doesn't take much. Okay. I started feeling the intensity ramping up here and my lovely playmate below me uh, had come very hard and said she needed a break from the Enjoy 11 because it is intense. And so I, I rolled onto my back and this, this lovely blonde kept manipulating and playing and manipulating and playing. And I got to the point. It's like, okay, I feel like I need to pee. And she said, no, no, you don't. You're fine. And so I just went with it because she's a professional, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> and she kept playing with it, kept playing with it. And then suddenly it felt like a wave crashed and my legs drew up and I had tremors throughout my body and this intense uh, sensation. You know how uh, an orgasm is often compared to a sneeze because it has similar effects of suddenness, you know, mm -hmm. and similar like, wow, that felt good. I'm glad I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was feeling this ongoing intensity. Then it really hit me and I drew my legs up and I was shaking and I was like, like legitimately shaking. Like if you didn't know what was going on, you'd think I was having a seizure Yeah, and I lost time. Damn. And when I finally sort of figured out where I was and what was going on, <laughs> I said to her, it's like, was that a prostate orgasm? She's like, oh yeah. Nice. Damn. Now, did she continue to manipulate the butt plug while you were having this orgasm? No, no. She stopped. Okay. Let you enjoy the rolling feeling or like, yeah. like a woman starts doing this whole thing yeah. with her body. Yes. Prostate orgasms work the same as G-spot oh, orgasms. Man. They roll and they ebb and flow. So oh. I actually continued to have this orgasm for 50 minutes. Oh my through gosh. Leaving the hot tub, through getting dressed, through going to the buffet, it just kept coming back and going away and coming back and going away. Wow. And that that made me a true believer. Now did <laughs> you, know, you that was, Oh, this is amazing, man. Did you ejaculate incredible. or no? It wasn't necessary. Well, no, the funny thing is I've never ejaculated from prostate stimulation, but when you squeeze the prostate, it's called milking the prostate, mm. you squeeze out 
all this fluid that usually goes and mixes with sperm and becomes ejaculate. Mm. So you leak as, uh. as you're being played with. So if you, if you do do doggy style, put a towel down because you are going to mm. leak all over everything. And <laughs> I've definitely produced a lot of fluid. But uh, the, the best part is, you know, there's no refractory period. It's completely oh my a God. different orgasm. It's a different kind. So you could do more stuff. Right. Now, now, is your penis erect throughout the whole thing? It goes back and forth. Okay. For me, a lot of the time, it's not. Uh, it was explained to me that while well, all the blood is going elsewhere, uh-huh. you know, your body is focusing on something else. Yeah. And so I, I like to explain to, to women who, uh, who, especially who've never done this before, that it is possible I'm not going to be hard at all, mm-hmm. but that in no way means I'm not enjoying myself. Right. At the same time, sometimes I am. And so it's, it's the best thing I can recommend, though, if you're chasing a prostate orgasm, is do not touch your cock. Oh. Okay. Because if you do, you will start to stroke your cock a little bit, and then mm. you're going to come, and then you're not going to want to play anymore. Yeah. So you're probably not going to have you a prostate orgasm. You might not orgasm. get there, right. Okay. So really, the, the deprivation of your normal method of coming, not for good, just in, in this moment, uh, helps you find your way to the prostate orgasm. I want to try it. Let me it's, go to the ssdesire.com and book the trip <laughs> so that I can be the yes, exemplar. Please, can, we can demonstrate. <laughs> now, do you have the pegging demos and classes every day? <laughs> no, no, we only oh, okay. do it once. But, but actually, since Tristan uh, Terramino has started coming with our trip, we, uh, we co-teach the anal class. So she teaches how to have anal sex with female bodies, and my partner and I teach pegging, and it's oh, awesome. Oh, interesting, because anal sex is one of the things that's been hard for me to really find pleasurable. A lot of the times, sure. women will say, oh my God, it hurts. I would love to do it, but it hurts. I don't like it. It doesn't feel great. So if there's a woman out there who's interested in getting more comfortable with anal play, they can take that class and... And the men can have something to learn about anal play for them as well on your trip at the yeah. same time. Yes. So take us through and the itinerary on your trip. What can people expect oh, day yeah. one, day two? It's eight days. Eight days, okay. And we do a lot of mixers. So we want to get you to meet people right away. That's important. Yes. Because that's the hardest thing when you go on a trip like this, if you don't know anybody, is making those first moves. So we have a cocktail social on day one where uh, the hosts stand up and introduce the thing. I generally wear a top hat and a feather boa and nothing else (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because I want to give people permission to be weird. Yeah. And to be naked because that's it's the beginning. You know, you you still may be in that place where you're not quite comfortable yet. Yeah, yeah that's right. Mm-hmm. And then the second day we have a speed dating, and people got nervous when we called it speed dating, so we changed it to speed meet and greet, and then nobody knew what it was, so we've <laughs> changed it back to speed dating. Right. Yeah. But the idea is you're going to get to everybody who participates in speed dating will meet everybody else who participates in speed dating. That's cool. And it's just this quick, you have three minutes, no small talk allowed, no talking about where you're from or where the airport is. You're talking about what you like, what you're interested in, why you're here, all those things. Perfect. The important thing. Yes. Um, We do uh, toy show and tell. We do the dungeon stuff, the BDSM lessons. There's foam parties. We just started doing karaoke. (laughs) <laughs> which was shockingly popular. Yeah, that's fine. That's uh, great. I was blown away by how popular it is. I did a uh, sweet transvestite from Rocky Horror last year Aww, in heels. Nice. Oh, <laughs> um, which is tough. And 
I bet. So it's really all about getting you to meet people and interact and learn things you may not have learned before and meet the kind of people you may not have met before. Uh, We're very proud because Desire is, uh, it's a Mexican resort and it's a Mexican swinger resort. So there's a little bit of traditionalism on the Mexican side and there's a little bit of traditionalism and old school swinger side. So before we started doing this, it was, you know, I was told specifically that buy stuff is allowed, but do it in your room. We don't care what you do in your room. Oh, okay. That was one of those things that made me really want to do our own trip because I got called a fag for having a blowjob on the side of the hot tub one night by a drunk woman in her 60s. And it was just like, uh, I mean, what do you, what do you want from me, lady? Right. What oh, do I mean? Yeah. So, But we have steadily pushed Desire's boundaries. And so we were one of the first groups to be very welcoming of triads. Uh, We actually have three already signed up for the trip this year. We've had trans guests, both male and female. Mm. We've had uh, lesbians uh, who booked multiple years now. And this is the first year we actually got the resort to okay gay male couples oh wow and that was, that's cool that was an uphill climb but we have fought for it and we really hope that people you know it's it's hard to feel welcomed when someone has to fight for you obviously sure but we really hope that someone's willing to take that risk to be with us because we have so many bi guys on this trip so many sure who would love to fuck some gay guys yeah right so they're more than welcome you that's know? great and, <laughs> It's been a long time to get here, but we really try to make it the the most inclusive trip this resort ever sees every year. So, you know, whether you're curious or poly or a swinger or old school, new school, just want to be naked outside, there's something for everybody on our trips. And I'm very proud of it. That's amazing. You should be proud. I mean, I can't think of a lifestyle party or event that would invite and welcome everybody, everybody, gay men, lesbian couples. I mean, I I have never heard of one. And we, we want to prove that inclusivity has value. And that was what we did when we started with the BDSM nights because they'd never really done that before. Because, you know, same thing we were talking about at the beginning. Sometimes BDSMers and swingers aren't the most friendly to each other. And it's people want to explore. That's why we're in open relationships. And so what better way to explore than to have the opportunity to try things? I tell a lot of people, you know, I talk a lot about male bisexuality because bi visibility is so very important. And I do get the, well, what if, uh, you know, does it make me gay? Like you're going to be exactly the same person tomorrow as you are today. If you suck a cock tonight, (laughs) (laughs) But the person you are tomorrow will know whether or not you like sucking cock. And at that point, you can deal with whatever that means. You know, if if you suck a cock and then realize you're gay, isn't that the best thing that could possibly happen is to realize who you really are? Find out. Yeah. Be true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing nobody really recognizes is if you try something and you don't like it, just don't ever do it again. Yeah. You know, that's it. Easy. That's yeah. literally it. Yeah. No harm, no foul. Easy day. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I have a personal question for you. Sure. So when you're watching porn online, what are mm. your favorite search terms? I'm assuming that you watch porn online, of course. 
<laughs> I, I, I do watch porn online. Okay. I very much enjoy buy threesomes. A woman uh, and two men. I really, really oh, like that okay. kind of porn. And then the two guys oh. getting into action with themselves yeah. and then also including the female. Oh, I have uh, not seen that. Because it leads to my favorite thing. And I've only managed this once. It was uh, top of my fuck it list forever, which <laughs> was penetrating someone while being penetrated. Oh, right. And it's amazing. Are you fucking a chick? You're yeah. fucking a woman? Okay. Well, it was it was actually at one of my pegging demos. Uh, afterwards, I've been I've been trying for years to get a pegging gangbang going after that. <laughs> um, but I was being fucked by a good friend, and I still had my boner. And I poked Ophelia and I said, look, it's still here. Get on. (laughs) Because we can actually make this happen. (laughs) So check that off. Well, wait, let me picture this. So was Ophelia missionary style or what positions were you guys in? Yeah, she climbed. uh, She climbed on facing me. I was on my back and um, my playmate pegging me was between my legs. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Pretty awesome. Okay. It was, it was excellent. <laughs> you must have had a large wiener to get in that close with your legs in the way, right? Kind of <laughs> like a substantial yeah. ding dong. Right. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Yeah. Like two handfuls with a little bit of meat at the end. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So as we begin the wrap up here, I have a question. I'm, I'm not in a hurry. So whatever you want to do. Things keep coming up. So when you're at Desire and you're walking around and you say you're in a top hat and this boa, right? So I want to picture this. Are you, are you, I, a don't, sh- I don't wear that all the time. Boas are fucking hot. Yes, they do get sticky. Are, are you a shower or a grower? Is I your am, penis I am, like. I am very much a grower. <laughs> so you're like me. You have a meat uh, button until it's. I've made my peace with that. Yeah. Basically it's, it's, I will uh, walk around desire and occasionally be pretty turtled. Uh, but, right. But that's okay. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. you're not walking around trying to manipulate it all the time so that it can get a little blood yeah. flow to look more. No, but I, I, I've definitely seen. <laughs> I've seen the guys who are very self-conscious about it doing the the tugging when uh, they think no one's watching. And it's like, yeah. you know what? I get it. Everyone yeah. knows right. what they're Never doing. Never for doing that. But at the same time, I mean, I am not the picture of the I am not the married model of a modern swinger, you know. I'm not I'm not buff or or skinny or with a big dick. Uh but I I get my fair share of action. So oh, absolutely. I, I, you've got, you've that. got game. You're not worried I've, about I've, it. Yeah. I've got some. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so tell people where is the best place that they can get a hold of you? Is there like one website that you would direct people to? And also the I'm desire information. Yeah, 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 definitely. So life on the swing com is where you can find blogs and articles and the podcasts. SSDesire.com is where you can find information. And if you're like, fuck it, sign me up, you can fill out the form on the website and send it to our travel agent and they'll get back to you with information and all that. And then CooperSBeckett.com is where you can get my books. You can sign up for my newsletter and get free sexy erotica sent to you and articles and stuff that not everybody gets immediately. And I'm on almost all the social media as Cooper S. Beckett, though I will warn people, my Twitter is fairly political. So if you're not interested in hearing uh, the sex podcaster talk about politics, you probably just don't want to follow me on Twitter. (laughs) And I do want to ask you a little bit more about your books, but real quick, if people want to sign up for the Desire trip, they go to ssdesire.com. Do they need a special code or do they simply pick the dates that you guys are going to be there? November 3rd through the 10th. On that site, on the sidebar it's already set for 
our trip. You know, the, mm-hmm. the travel agent knows when you fill out this form, it's our trip. You tell it which dates you actually want to go. There's a drop down with all the different rooms, you know, and the prices. So you okay. know what everything is right away. Cool. We don't want to hide any of that. And then just send it and they will, they will get back to you pretty quickly to, to go over your options for payments and stuff like that. Sweet. So you mentioned coopersbeckett.com is where mm-hmm. our listeners can find out about the books that you've written. Now, yes. tell us a little bit more about that. Is there one that you recommend people read first? Do they go through them in a certain order? Well, a lot depends on what they're looking for. If you want an experiential journey through non-monogamy, My Life on the Swing Set is my memoir. And that's I'm, I'm very proud of it and I recommend it. If you like fiction and you like erotica, then my two books, which are actually um, A Lifeless Monogamous, is the first part of a longer story. Approaching the Swingularity is part two. But a lifeless monogamous follows two young people, young, a young couple in a stale marriage who meet a couple of swingers and it changes their lives. Gee, does cool. that sound like anyone? <laughs> like all, everybody. Yeah, every exactly. <laughs> so then the second book takes place at a resort that is very much like, but legally distinct from <laughs> Desire, <Right. laughs> Aphrodite's Resort and Spa. And it follows seven characters as they weave through this resort, including a lesbian couple, the four from the first book and the host of the trip. And I really got to dig in and, and deal with a lot of things in that one that I didn't get to address in the first one. So there's pegging in there. There's the buy guy stuff. There's pretty much, I think, I think I managed to get every type of sex I've ever seen into this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of sex in approaching the swingularity. So if you want a lot of sex, that's where it is. And actually, Right now, especially if you're on Audible, you can get both books as an audio book. Uh, it's called Tales of Swinging and Polyamory, and it's like 26 hours long. And what's really awesome is for the first book, we have two narrators, myself and Kat Stark, and we sort of switch off on the point of view of the the husband and wife. Mm. Mm-hmm. And for the, the second book, we have seven narrators to go with our seven characters. Oh, cool. oh wow. That's awesome. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. That's pretty neat. So there's a lot to explore on your different yeah. websites, on the upcoming Desire Trip. And I'm assuming you still have space. And I'll, I'll say, <laughs> if you, if you want to buy books to support me, buy them through my website because that supports me the most. I'll okay. That's that. important. Got it. But yes. I'm happy. I'm happy if you buy them anywhere, but I'm really happy if you buy them at cooperasbeckett.com. Okay. So go to cooperasbeckett.com. Definitely. Well, yes. thank you. Is there anything else that you wanted to ask, babe? No, I just wanted to find out whether he was a shower or a grower. <laughs> that was, that was my that was my main. And that was also, what you're thinking about during the entire interview. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I kept trying to figure out w- what uh, what size of yam or sweet potato he had stuck right. in there because they so start really, sharp. You, you you were just thinking of my cock and my ass the whole time we were talking, man. Right? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ever since you started talking about that rolling wave full body orgasm, oh, I was thinking about it too. Yeah, I'm thinking about start to explore. I mean, I like the finger in the ass while I'm getting my dick sucked. That's uh-huh. awesome. So I have yeah. a little bit yeah. more to explore with it. So that's a beautiful thing. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming out, Cooper. Oh, it's really a, such a great time here. And, yeah. and, you know, speaking to you over the last several months on Twitter and so forth, I really respected you from the very beginning. I'll tell you why. There was a little controversy with some lifestyle podcasters out there, and we were brand new on the scene. And people were very non-welcoming, and I got approached by several 
several new lifestyle podcasters as well saying, you know, we don't feel welcome. So I made a tweet about it. I got in trouble for it. Got a lot of backlash. <laughs> mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, here comes Cooper saying, hey, man, it's all good. If you need someone to talk to you, yeah. if, if you need a guest for your podcast, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm I'll with it, man. It. Just it. <laughs> reach out to me. And, and yeah. I'm thinking, dude, the guy who's probably the savviest podcaster, right. probably the wisest dude that's been podcasting for the longest amount of time, not petty at all, not right. engaging in the controversy, yeah. steps in and says, hey, man, don't let it affect you. Let's have a talk one of these days. Exactly. And, and I thought, you know, that was an honorable thing. man. That Absolutely was such warm. a beautiful move. And here we are today talking about- I'm so happy I could do that. Oh, I, man. And I, we thank I you for that. Yeah, thank you. That you- Going forward, do the same to another young podcast. Of course. Because that's what happened to me with Sex is Fun, and I pay that forward. I always want to encourage new podcasters. It is so important because new perspectives and new perspectives are valuable. Yeah, that's right. Then we don't get stuck in our ways like like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think we can all appreciate someone else's point of view that may help awaken a sense in us that maybe we were blinded from or maybe we didn't recognize. Sure. Everything you were mentioning about being nicer, being more accepting of other people who we maybe don't understand their lifestyle, their point of view, what they're going through emotionally. Right. It's very important. So thank you for those perspectives, Cooper. And thank you for being on our show. Oh, please, please, please do so. So there's a documentary about Fred Rogers Mr. Rogers out right now. He's an amazing human being first, but he talks about how the most important thing and what we all want is to feel loved and seen. And really what I try Mm. to get across to everybody, this is my, my mission in life is to get across to everybody that you are loved and you are seen and you wanting something doesn't make you bad or weird. It just makes you human. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's that's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) That's very cool. No, it's a very important way to bring this episode to an end, to capstone it with some great words. Any other advice for people exploring their sexuality, Cooper, anything that you'd you'd mentioned to that newbie listener who may be just awakening that side of them and wanting to explore in the swinging realm or the poly realm? What would you say to those individuals listening? Don't be afraid of your interests. Try new things. Don't over bind yourself with rules. And the most important thing I think is, you know, we jump out of the monogamy box and it's so easy to jump into a box called swinging and it's still just a box. We're never truly free until we start removing our boxes and start exploring That's right. who we are meant to be. Yeah. Be fluid. Be flexible. Yeah. It's not just swinging. Right. It right. can be more for any individual. Sure. Whatever you're in the mood for. That's beautiful. Very cool. And try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and see things oh, from yes, their perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I like that because I don't always think that way. If there was somebody who maybe reacted weird on a date. You know, they're dealing with their own insecurities and maybe their fears about expressing what they really want to their partner or, you know, they're it's not just about having connection with us as a couple as their date. But I lose sight sometimes that they're also worried about what their partner is going to think of them and what they say. It's so easy to focus on ourselves and we all do it. But yeah. Everyone is having the same insecurities that you are. Everyone's dick is too small. Everyone's tits are too small. (laughs) I mean, everyone feels that way. Everyone feels not attractive enough, not good enough, not smart enough, not funny enough. And the thing is, we all need to give ourselves more credit. 
Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I love it. Hey, so it's been great. Such a great time tonight spending time with you, Cooper, and you sharing your words and your perspectives. Really enjoyed that. So my pleasure. Uh, we will see you in the Twitter sphere. <laughs> I will see you there. <laughs> and hearing you talk about your favorite commander in chief and right? the president there. And, and, <laughs> all right, Cooper. Have a good Hashtag night, man. Not my president. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good night, Cooper. Thanks see a you. lot, Cooper. You too. Bye bye. Love, enlightenment, pleasure. The Priory Society Podcast.